You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, hello, Calvary Chapel. So great to be with you again. Uh, And as Brian mentioned, we've got a little bit of a different setup here. We've got a a living room. We've got some special guests all gathered around. And you are all together free to to help me out. In a lot of churches, when the pastor's struggling, they'll say, help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. God, help him. And uh, Shawnee, uh, an amen at just one point. We'll get you dinner tonight. So anyway, we are, uh, just, we're just glad to be gathered together again. We've got a brand new series that um, we're titling. We've got five messages, actually, a five-message series from First Peter. As Brian mentioned, we're titling it Our New Normal. And of course, this is really the question on everybody's mind. All around the world, we're wondering, what will our new normal be? And uh, nobody really knows for sure, but the only thing we know is that many things are likely to change as it relates to the way that we've done life for like, for like ever. Handshakes and hugs may be on the way out and face masks and social distancing and one-way, you know, lines in the grocery store may be here to stay. And for a world that's plowed on in her norms for centuries, all of this is so alien and foreign and strange. Well, For the church, those called out of darkness and into the marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus, alien, foreign, and strange isn't really so new. Uh, For for one thing, the gospel does too, and for those who, who yield to it, is it instantly rearranges, you know, life making it radically different than it was before. The gospel turns everything upside down in a person's life, or we should say more perfectly right side up. The moment that a person becomes a child of God, he instantly becomes a citizen of heaven, and in that moment, life on earth becomes essentially a journey of discovering an entirely new normal. So today we've no idea what our new normal uh, will be as we come through this COVID crisis, which has literally shaken society to its core, uh, you know, I think waking us up, exposing just how frail here is. And not only does no one know what our new normal is going to be, I suspect, and you may be one of those with me, I suspect a growing number of people are starting to believe that we are not being told the truth about a great many things. The truth is out there, it's just, who can we trust to tell us the truth? Personally, I have uh, shared, even in our small group times and with you, Sean, that uh, this season has given me an entirely new, uh, newfound uh, appreciation and love for the Word of God because it's the only place I know that I can go for a truth so true that I can fully rely upon it. I can trust it. I don't have to wonder if there's any other agenda. It's a holy agenda. It's an agenda that's good for me. Listen. This whole earth is shaking, but we're not shaken because we're not receiving a kingdom that can be shaken. We sons and daughters of God are citizens of an unshakable 
kingdom. Amen? It's a good place for an amen. Amen. Well, long ago, God called a fisherman named Peter. Pastor Kenny shared some of his famous words Wednesday evening as we had that wonderful time of communion. And, and as Peter met Jesus, his life was changed forever. And meeting Jesus, Peter learned and then lived a whole new normal. And so he's fit to teach us fellow strangers and sojourners and pilgrims here on earth how to live a new normal. He actually hung out with the world's greatest exile, Jesus himself. Peter became an exile himself. He was a stranger in a foreign land. He was looking for another home, a heavenly home, an eternal abode. So it's Peter that God is going to use to teach us about our new normal. And Peter's thorough, more thorough that you might, than you might expect from a fisherman. He addresses our new normal in several different ways, but we're going to consider our new normal under the cross or under the blood or under grace. That is our holiness. And we're going to consider our new normal under authority. That is our submission. And under the roof, that is our marriages, what happens under the roofs of our homes. And under the sun, that is that the, the, the main goal of the child of, begun, of God becomes the glory of God. And finally, our new normal under the steeple. That is our new normal as we relate to one another inside the church. So here we go. We won't cover uh, every line as before, but just one section from each chapter that we may learn about our new normal. We're in chapter one. Next week we'll be in chapter two and so on. So in chapter one, we're going to begin in verse 13. And I'm going to title this first message, Traveling Right. Not traveling light, which would be helpful, but traveling right. And so as we address verse 13 in chapter one, Peter's addressed his fellow exiles scattered to the four winds. Remember, we learned that, that uh, he sort of said to them, listen, I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I know you're uh, cast about to the four winds. I know that things are difficult. I know that it feels so altogether foreign. But listen, you were called to this, if you remember our Easter message. And then he addressed the fact that by God's mercy, they were born again to a living hope. And if you remember, we, we, we learned from Pastor Kenny that a living hope is actually attached to a living person. That's such a glorious reality because Jesus is not there in the tomb. He's alive. He's risen today. And so our hope is living, and it's attached to that living, victorious Savior. And then he encouraged his fellow sojourners by describing just how fortunate they were, how fortunate we are that, that, that the church, or what the church actually has in Christ, listen, Old Testament prophets and even angels in heaven long to see what, what came upon those that Peter addressed and what has actually come to us today. The Old, Old Testament prophets were like, I wonder how this is all going to play out. And even today, y'all, Scripture tells us, verse 12 tells us, that angels, they long to see what is happening in this glorious gospel age. I love what the New Living Translation has, verse 12. It says this, it's all so wonderful that even angels are eagerly watching these things happen. And y'all, these things are happening right now, 2,000 years later. Pretty cool to consider that the angels are actually watching, longing to see the glory of the gospel at work in men on earth. We'll come back to that. So here we go. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, he writes, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, 
and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, since the scattered exiles, these earthly pilgrims, received so great a salvation, think of it like thousands of years of divine history has sort of exploded upon their undeserving souls. Mysteries as ancient as time had come out into the open and into their hearts. The Christ and the kingdom that was supposed to come came. Therefore, since it's all true, regardless of how bad and how foreign it is, because Peter's, Peter, Peter's, Peter was addressing those like us that have been sort of driven and scattered and dispersed. And no matter how bad it feels, because all this is so wondrously true, there's now another way to live. And so what they had, just how much and how great it was, was meant to be both a tremendous encouragement, it was supposed to be a source of encouragement and hope to, to sort of go on here. P Peter knew that they needed hope and encouragement then. He knew that they would need hope and encouragement. Peter knew that one day, it seems, by the, by the Holy Spirit, that we would need hope and encouragement to go on, listen, as the journey got tougher and tougher. Now, listen. These are the kinds of times I'd submit to you that we've got to really start to pay attention. Because my conviction is that things are going to get tougher and tougher for the child of God on this earth. I, I, you've, got to you've got to see that the, 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 the things that are happening all around us right now, it's as if some sort of, like the dam has broke and darkness is on the move in a way like none of us have ever seen before. And on the one hand, you're like, oh, now listen, don't worry because when that starts to happen, our Savior's gonna show up. And, and, uh, and, and uh, so the darker it gets, the brighter it's gonna be when he gets here and it's gonna be glorious. So, so he says, so armed with this great knowledge that like to you, all the glorious things that the prophets testified about, all the things that the angels are even, to you these glorious things have come. And the angels, so, you know, knowledge so great that angels sort of, they, 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 they're, they're watching. So, so, so gird it up, like roll up the sleeves of your mind and be sober, which means here more than avoiding, you know, drink. He covers those kinds of things later, but sober here means more um, a, a posture, a mental posture, our sort of uh, the, uh, the containment of our minds, like be balanced, be sober, roll up the sleeves of your mind, gird up the loins of your mind and be balanced. Be not easily swayed to and fro. Ready? Listen to this, church. Avoid extremes. Avoid extremes. If there's a word for the church today that we need to hear, it's avoid extremes. Now, one glorious testimony uh, to the angels um, above, <laughs> you know, however you are, and, the, and, 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 this, and, and humans here below, one glorious testimony as they watch us in the middle of unsteady times is when they see a stability in us. We're not, we're not given to sort of you know, going through life up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. That should not mark the life of the believer. Listen, be steady is what he's saying. Stable in the world that you're in that is so unsteady. And I love this. This is, I, this is so glorious. And rest your hope fully, check this out, y'all, upon the grace that's coming at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, 
Grace wasn't something that angels had no idea about, but the new feature of grace was its efficacy in the new covenant of Christ's blood. So the angels are sort of watching the, the, the power of the blood at work and the power of the simple faith of the sons and daughters of God on the earth. And they watched and do watch that work happening. Seems to me that angels long to, even love to, see the grace of God at work on earth in men. And y'all, listen. And yet if we can receive it, there's even more grace coming. Remember in John's gospel, John wrote, you know, when Jesus came, that he came full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. But listen, we just heard here, there's actually more grace coming. We're to rest our hope, not on the grace that was. Remember the grace that saved you? That was amazing. You know me, that was really amazing. And the grace that is, and I know you. No, <laughs> you know me. The grace that's at work right now in my life is amazing, but it doesn't say rest your hope fully upon the grace that was or the grace that is. But listen, the grace that is to come when Jesus Christ shows up. It's gonna be glorious. If you think grace is amazing, just wait because we haven't seen nothing yet. It's incredible. So let's, since so much that's so great is ours in Christ, let's steadily roll up the sleeves of our minds and set our hope fully on the grace that's coming. It's just incredible. It's extraordinarily comforting, and we think, well, what else would we expect from God, but an extraordinary comfort in extraordinarily uncomfortable times. You know, there is a grace that is significant. There is a grace that's actually capable to carry us even through days like these. There's grace for that. So we might ask, well then, what can, what will, what does a grace so amazing do? Answer, listen, it makes men holy. It transforms men. It teaches them to be like Jesus, the holy exile of all exiles. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. You know, maybe one of the things that angels desired to know is how a grace which came to men outside, Paul actually writes, apart from the law, would work. I mean, wouldn't a salvation Heaven thinks, wouldn't a salvation, the angels wonder, the prophets were, were curious, wouldn't a grace that came, or wouldn't a salvation that came by grace through faith make men licentious, even sinful, for they had been freed from God's law? I mean, if men receive salvation apart from the law, won't they then live lawless lives? Well, the answer is no. Salvation by grace actually makes men, notice, obedient children, Something Peter himself, if you remember in Acts chapter 15, freely admitted that the law couldn't do. The law couldn't make uh, men obedient children of the king. Listen, grace not only makes men holy, it frees them to pursue holiness. So Peter's command here to not conform to former lust, it's now possible because of the grace of God. Now, he continues to really the crux of the matter, verse 15 but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So Peter commands holiness in all contact and uh, conduct. And contrary to what angels may think or wonder, you, you, you can imagine them thinking then, like, is there, no, is there no longer any adherence to 
or power or value in the law of God. Well, then Peter's going to affirm the source of such holy living. He's going to say, it is the word of God. The question might come, so, so why be holy? Because verse 16 says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And you can almost imagine, you know, a heavenly sigh in the angels as they think, oh, thank God that thousands of years of God's word on earth, supernaturally delivered through infallible men, but nevertheless it came so powerfully, thank God that God's word's not completely null and void. No, no, it is written, still matters, and an argument could be made that it matters more now in the New Testament church under grace. Only now by this great grace, it is written as actually possible, like Leviticus, an entire book dedicated to, to the holiness of God, to the separateness of his people is now possible because of grace. Like it really matters. And Leviticus, by the way, um, and it's what Peter just quoted, be ye holy because I am holy, can happen. Because listen, since we in Christ are holy, we can be, we can behave holy. It's, there's, it's not possible any other way without him. And holy simply, profoundly, and predominantly means just be separate, to be separate. Be holy. Be separate from here to him. From here to him. He says in verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves (laughs) throughout the time of your stay here in fear. It is a little fascinating that uh, the word judgment would be found anywhere uh, near so great a grace, but it is. And, and, And perhaps another one of sort of heaven's Heavenly, the heavens angels sort of queries would be, hasn't Christ then obliterated all judgment? Well, yes and no. The believer will never face the judgment of God in the end because Christ died in our place and faced God's judgment on our half. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. But Peter addresses, notice, believers and their lifestyles and judgment too. So what then can we, can we learn, we might say, of God's judgment maybe even in a New Testament sense of his kids. Maybe discipline might be the best sort of overall idea here since we have been freed from the judgment of God and the wrath of God because of the blood of Christ. But first we, 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 we learn that his judgment is without partiality. That is, there is no class of Christian that is exempt from God's discipline. We're all priests. And the priesthood of all believers was a New Testament feature that I'm sure was pretty fascinating to the angels because listen, The old system, and that was all in a sense that sort of heaven's angels understood, the old system's gone. And you have to admit, if you're familiar with with the old covenant, that there was some sort of a hierarchical idea of holiness. I mean, keep in mind, there was the Jews. They were set apart. They were clearly God's chosen people. So, So they were exempt from the judgment of God. But then within the Jews, you had the priesthood. They were like up a little bit higher on the rung. And then you had the high priest. Well, 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 Paul, Peter writes here, listen, there, it's all the, 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 the ground at the foot of the cross is all together level, and we are all priests. No one, no child is exempt from God's discipline, God's judgment. God's judgment, secondly, is personal, and for that reason, it may be good for us to spend much more of our time focused on our own works, our own lives, than everybody else's. It's a bit of a trap because notice he's gonna judge each one's work impartially. That is, each one of us one day are gonna have to give an account 
to God and not to anybody else. And then I like, as I mentioned, and conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. It sounds like you're, at, you know, <laughs> you're getting escorted into a hotel somewhere. You know, as long as, you know, while you're here, you know, the coffee's out in the morning, you, and this is available, and then in the lobby you can have that, and it's just so sort of temporary. So live here in reverence of our impartial God, and surely the whole passing through part was meant to encourage them and encourage us, especially saints in the midst of any suffering. It's just gonna be a short stay. It's just gonna be a very short stay. This isn't our home, it's more like a hotel. The moment that we're born again, this earth instantly stops being our home and becomes instantly a hotel, just a temporary place. And not only is our time here short, this week we were talking, you know, as uh, I know you, so many of you have been praying for us to try to navigate all that's going on and when are we gonna be back and how can we navigate that in a way that is both, you know, sensitive to those that um, are, you know, are, are compromised for sure and then those that have maybe a higher level of fear and those that just have no fear at all and how do we, you know, sort of navigate, you know, as Peter's gonna teach even next week, you know, how that we would respect our govern, governing authorities but then, you know, when is it right to, you know, obey God rather than men? It's just this whole thing. And so we thank you so much for your prayers. And I was talking to Darren the other day, and he said, we were talking about the, some plans that we're thinking through, and uh, I'm hoping that they're going to be shorter than the ones that we've got laid out. But he, he said something, and he goes, you know what? When you know something's just temporary, you can get through just about anything. And that was kind of the idea that Peter tried to communicate here. You know how... <laughs> You know, while you're just passing through. And not only is our time here short, like a five-star hotel, it costs more than we can imagine to be here. And I don't mean here as in on the earth, but I mean here as in a son or daughter of God. It's a short stay. One day you're going to be home. It's going to be a heavenly place. But it co- just keep in mind, it costs a lot for you to be here. That is, on your way to, to heaven. Notice verse 18, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by, the tradition, by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Our conduct here while passing through should always bear in mind the brevity of life first and then just how much it costs for us to be able to, 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 to take the next leg of the journey. It was extraordinary. You say, well, what was the price paid and to free us from our past aimless conduct here, as Peter writes it, or empty life handed down to us from our fathers? Likely a reference to the old covenant in the law, sort of empty, aimless, hopeless, futile. What was the price paid? Who paid it? Well, the price was paid by Jesus. Jesus paid it all. His precious, incorruptible, perfect blood was shed for us. Remember, the Passover lamb slain that led an entire nation of Hebrews free from Egyptian bondage had to be, listen, it pointed, it pointed forward to Christ. Passover's lamb, the first one, had to be without spot or without blemish. Only Peter says here that this lamb, or really this uh, blood here, isn't, was, wasn't of a perfect animal but a perfect person who freed us from an even greater bondage. Than Egypt. He indeed, verse 20 says, he, Jesus, was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. 
And so saints here below and angels up above, the greater lamb bringing greater deliverance from a greater bondage, listen, was not a divine add-on. The plan of God was foreordained before the foundation of the world, which, which makes it possible that now saints and angels can, in a sense, marvel at the wisdom of God all the more. Now the old covenant actually enjoys all kinds of new insights by the light that the New Testament shines upon it. The light of the new covenant makes the light of the old even brighter and vice versa. And then what a great privilege that in these last times, it's interesting that Peter, he writes, you know, all these things have happened to you now in these last times. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. And I would submit to you that the last days, that the last times, began the very moment Jesus returned to the Father in glory. And so we asked the question, are we living in the last days? You better believe we are. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. That's, that's for sure. That's for sure. But what angels long to look into has actually exploded upon us, has actually come upon us, the church, in these last times. How grateful ought we to be? How then should we live? Verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Notice, we through Christ believe in God. He's the key. Jesus was not only the key that swung wide the gate to life for all who would come by faith, he's also the key. He, he's, without him you can't understand the plan of God on the earth from the beginning of time, but with him, it all, the, his light brings light. It, the scripture says that in his light we see light. It's through him that we see and we believe in God. He's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Now, verse 22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and here's sort of the evidence, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. It's so great. It's sort of the greatest hallmark, the greatest evidence of the gospel of grace. It's a sincere love for the brothers. So he commands them to love fervently. We used to publish, oh, back in the day, I can remember 20 years ago, we used to have these little paper bulletins. And I don't know how long it is now that we've done away with the paper bulletin. But we used to print on our paper bulletin and we used to have this particular line in our statement of faith. And it said this, we believe the only true basis of Christian fellowship is Christ's agape love, which is greater than any difference we possess and without which... The agape love of God within us and demonstrated to others, we have no right to claim ourselves Christians. All the holy living on earth is null and void without love in operation. And, and, and have you stopped and thought about it much? But listen, love does require of us more than anything else, doesn't it? Real love. So the hallmark of the gospel was love. It, it, it verified it verified that they, it verifies that we have in fact purified ourselves in obeying the truth of the gospel. And when we have love for one another, notice, having been born again, the greatest evidence, verse 23, of which is love, a fervent love of, of one another, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Verse 24, 
<laughs> Verse 24 and 25 are some of my favorite. I think about them almost every morning. When I look in the mirror, I wake up and I think, this is so me. Notice, because all flesh is as grass, and the, all the glory of the man as the flower of the grass. Meet the flower of the grass. Here he is. I'm grass. He's the flower of the grass. He's always been greater than me. But, notice, but the word of the Lord, excuse me, but the grass withers. That's what I see every morning. And the flower falls away. <laughs> it's not like it used to be, I can tell you. But the word of the Lord endures forever. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now this is the word. Help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? It was his incorruptible blood which washed us who were so corrupt. It was his incorruptible word which led us to him for the washing. And that word which came through corruptible men, men who have their day, <laughs> Like grass that withers and the flower that falls away, men will perish, man will cease, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And it's, it's this incorruptible word by which the gospel is preached to them, to you, and to me. There, there was something pure, something pristine, something with no agenda whatever that, other than our good and the glory of God that came to us, the, the incorruptible word of God that pointed us to the incorruptible blood of the Son of God that made us free. The word of the Lord endures forever, meaning it is an eternally binding word. Men are never, will never be, can never be free from its requirements, can never be free from, from, from its standards. What the word of God declares to be true can never change, no, never, ever. And, and, and culture, you know, should be warned by this and the church should be comforted by this. I mean, for how many incredible promises are we still believing? Are we clinging to today? And Scripture tells us that all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen in Jesus Christ. It's just wonderful. So, our new normal from this passage. I see two things. There's so much here. I see two things that I want to just leave you with. Two statements of truth. They're simple. They're short. That, to me, should essentially define sort of the entirety of our lives on earth while passing through. Peter will get specific in certain areas of life here soon. He's going to talk about our new normal with government. He's going to talk about our new normal in the home. He's going to talk about our new normal in the church. He's going to get specific, but in chapter one, it seems that he paints sort of a broad brush idea for the life of the child of God. Like, this is the way it should be. From the, this is the way that it should be the whole journey through. This, this is what it is that others should see in us as, 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 as we make our way to, to heaven. And here they are. Very simple. Number one. You can jot these down. Number one. We should, be, we should be steady and hopeful. We should be steady and hopeful. We should, re, we should resemble, church, the heavenly um, land to which we belong while on earth, there should be something about us that sort of looks, that looks like where we're going. Our, our true home is unshakable, and we should look more like our true home than this one that is literally being shaken right now to the core. Steady, steady, stable, calm, level-headed, balanced, not given to extremes, balanced, calm, and hopeful, listen, because y'all, there is a greater grace 
coming. Rest your hope, not in the grace that was, and that was amazing, not in the grace that is, and that's amazing, but rest your hope fully on the grace that's coming at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's just so wonderful. We should be steady and hopeful, and number two, we should be holy and loving. Steady and hopeful, holy and loving. Now, holiness <laughs> conjures up all kinds of different ideas to different people from what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, what we drive. And uh, Peter's going to get specific on some of those things, some of those topics he'll actually address. But the big idea here is separate, is to be holy, is to be separate from here. We're, we're the, called, the church is the called out ones, though we're still here. So we're to be separate from here, light touch, but we're to be separate to, to him. And the greatest expression of this holiness is love. It's love. The, the greatest expression, listen, y'all, we will never be more like Jesus than when we're loving. And so steady, hopeful, holy, and loving, and listen, all the journey long. Amen. Father, we do thank you for a time to gather and these words are becoming to us um, richer. They're becoming to us, they're bringing to us uh, things that we haven't seen. It's almost in some ways you're sort of, you're sort of hiding away some special nuggets for darker days and for that we're grateful. When it all spins like mad here, when we don't even know where to go to get the truth, it would be great just to have the truth about what it is that's going on around us. So we can make some sort of decision, informed upon, inform, like truth-informed decision, but it's just, we don't know who's telling us the truth and we don't know why and we don't know what's really going on all together. But we do get a sense Days are getting darker. And when the days get darker, we got to be looking up. Because the sun is going to shine. And our deliverer, he's not going to delay. He's going to show up right at the moment when it seems that all hell is breaking loose. We've studied this here recently, Father. We are criticized for being a little, well, not so optimistic. But we need to be steady. We need to be stable. We need to be calm. This isn't home. It's like a hotel. We're going to leave here. We're likely to leave here soon. <laughs> Real soon. We're on the verge of a grace more amazing than anything we've seen. And it's in times like these that when we just gather, it's 
your children. I mean, we're your children because you called us to be your sons and your daughters. You, 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 you reached down, you snagged us. These glorious truths, they, 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 they exploded within our hearts and we see as we see because of your grace. And we can live as you've commanded us to live because of your grace. But you've never ceased being a good shepherd. And Lord, we could really use you to, we could really use some shepherding like we've never had before right now. Could you just shepherd us? Can you forgive us where you, 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 you can't just lead us, you know, like the, the psalm says, I would love to, I want to lead you with just eye to eye, but you're, because you're so, I've got to actually put a bit and a bridle in your mouth and I've got to, I've got to lead you this way and that way. Well, Lord, if, it, if it's got to be that way, then so that we can be right and where we need to be, let it be. Not only the good shepherd, but the one who, who loves like nobody else could love us. Nobody else would love us the way you love us. Steady, hopeful, holy, and loving. We could be known for all kinds of things, but when the world, without any hope, without any stability, looks on could they see in us something steady, something calm, something hopeful, something joyous? Could they witness in us something separate, something different, something other, something holy? But then would that holiness give way to love? you can do these things only you can save us only you can sanctify us to give us a part to play in the sanctification can you find us yielded still could you speak truth over our fears faith over our doubts and love over our unloveliness so frequently shows up pressure we're talking about our new normal because everybody is you've been talking about it for a couple thousand years now thank you we want to live that way and we need your grace, we need your help, we need your power, we need your wisdom, we need your guidance like never before. It feels that way to us. Help us, God. Lead us on, great shepherd. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Frank Ramsour. If you enjoy the message, you can learn more about Pastor Frank's ministry by visiting calvarychat.com. That's calvary, C-H-A-T-T dot com.